it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. This is Beer is a Conversation and I'm here today with Scott Seymour, founder of Penguin Beer Co and Island State Brewing in Northern Tassie. Scott has a diverse background, he's worked in hospitality as well as aged care. Uh, this was before moving to Tasmania from the mainland, uh, which was a major change. Despite being born in some difficult circumstances during Covid, uh, both Penguin Beer and Island State have gone from strength to strength. With a team of investors on board, Scott is now working on a third venue. We discuss all things Tassie being a mainlander on the island, and launching a new business in a pandemic in this wide-ranging chat. Hi, Scott. Thanks so much for coming on the Beer is a Conversation podcast. Thank you, Claire. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. Now, I've nagged you very much like multiple people who I've dragged on the Beer is a Conversation podcast in recent uh, weeks nagged you from the get-go effectively so you've been on our or should i say penguin um beer and island state have been on our brewery radar um we've covered them as they grow as they develop um as venues and as breweries let's get down to to the beginnings um what's your background um and how did you get into beer okay well i started my career as a teacher which is a good excuse to drink beer as any but um i guess as a young bloke 18 or so i really like cold and cold beer and that much that I hadn't had uh, the stickers all over my car, but I didn't really get into <laughs> beer until I um, was teaching into the in the UK, and um, you know, I guess where I grew up, we had a choice of, of two or three beers, or four, maybe four if you were lucky. Um, <laughs> then I went over to the UK, and there was just a myriad of beer everywhere, and um, I started tasting those, and just all these new flavours and things I'd never experienced before popped up, and I absolutely fell in love. Fantastic. And were you brewing? Did you start brewing then? Uh, no, I didn't start brewing until, oh, I guess, I had, I'd had a little crack at uni, of course, like everyone does, just at the kitten kilo. But uh, I've never had a great deal of success with that and didn't really get into brewing until, um, I guess, I started a little bar in Bendigo um, back in 2003, I think it was. And no, it might have been later than that. But um I started getting craft beers into the little bar that we had there and from there I got to meet a lot of brewers and started going um, on brew days and things like that and kind of uh, fell in love with the process there. Mm -hmm. Oh, fantastic. But how did you end up in Tasmania then? Well, we came to holidays in Tasmania and we, my wife and I, Tara, we'd never been to Tassie before. Um, Tara eventually uh, conned me into coming down for a a couple of weeks (laughs) and we did it over the um, New Year period and... I'd always thought it was too cold, but uh, how wrong I was. <laughs> it was just beautiful. We came from a, um, <laughs> a summer that had six, to, six days over 46 degrees, and that was just enough for me, uh, living in Bendigo in Victoria. Yeah. Uh, but we came here to the northwest coast and absolutely just fell in love with it and travelled all around Tassie, came back up to the northwest because we just loved it so much, went home and packed our bags and moved here for good. Oh, fantastic. So what were you doing before? Like, what job did you have when you moved over? 
Well, we owned an aged and disability care business, mm-hmm. um, which was uh, a yeah, far cry from what we're doing now. Um, Tara is a, uh, a geriatric psych nurse, and she, she, was, she was a psych nurse in Bendigo uh, as well as working on the business. But um, we both had jobs in our related fields to come over here with. Um, I had a job with an aged care business, and Tara was working in psych. Uh, but COVID hit, of course, just as we arrived, and both our jobs got pushed back for six months. Oh which was God. fantastic because it was when we were driving around with nothing to do for, for a few months. Um, <laughs> we found a busted down old building right on the coast in beautiful Penguin. And Tara mentioned that place would make a beautiful little craft beer bar and yeah. couldn't agree more. And it had a little full lease <laughs> sign on it. So we called the full lease sign the same day and um, got to work. Oh, fantastic. And I have actually, uh, full disclosure, I have been to Penguin Beer Co. Potted in for a beer a few months ago now. Um, quite soon after you opened, I think. And the view is stunning. Have you snuck that one in? I didn't beach. know. Oh, well, I didn't want to, You don't want to pull that, oh, hello, I know the owner card, do you? <laughs> That's so embarrassing. Um, so I, I potted in. I had a little I had a little view. Um, but the, the location is just obscene. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Perfect place for it. And Penguin needs it, I think. Um, like, how have you found being in Penguin? Oh, the locals loved it. We've really been embraced. Um, we just couldn't be happier. We've got people that come in every single day. Our Friday nights, we've got a um, free will in Fridays where we have Pluck a Penguin. Uh, and we always get the locals in for that, packs it out. We have a great time. And I think um, people really appreciate uh, just having a beautiful spot right on the beach there. I mean, this building, when we took it over, faced the other way, if you could believe it. Um, there was just a brick wall at the back facing the ocean. Uh, and now we've got the big deck out there and our windows open right up to it. And it's a, it's a beautiful view. It really takes advantage of the space. And I believe originally there were plans to put a brewery at in at Penguin, um, but that didn't quite turn out the way we wanted necessarily? No, well, at first we were going to put a very, very small uh, little brewery in, uh, but we decided it just couldn't fit and it wasn't practical. So we thought, okay, we'll have a look. Uh, well, we'll have a look outside of the space and look for an industrial space or something like that where we could put a, a decent sized brewery. And Tara and I had a plan of you know maybe in five years time we'd have our own brewery to brew our own beers at the top at the moment we'll just contract brewing through morrison's uh in launceston and they were just fantastic to work with um but our long-term plan kind of came to fruition a lot quicker because uh well i was um <coughs> whinging about having to go to the bank to borrow money for the extra extra money for the bigger cool room where we're going to need and um, i was talking to a mate Brady, um actually at buttonsbury in alveston uh, that's where we met and he said, oh, you might not have to go to the bank. There's a few blokes I know that are very interested in what you're doing. And I said, okay, we'll get them to meet here in a couple of nights' time. And we did that. And we had a few blokes meet that were interested in what we we're doing. And I put together a plan to actually create a decent-sized brewery that we could you know, get started on pretty quickly. And fortunately, they all liked the plan and they jumped on board. So is that all like people chipping in? Is there a little bit of um, funding going in for that? Yeah, so they've all um, they, they all jumped on board as, as investors, uh, and Tara and I, um, you know, as the majority shareholders, and then they've come on board and all bought a share each. So there is um, you know, eight eight families involved altogether, which is fantastic. Um, you know, all locals to the northwest coast, which we love, and it's. Uh, it's just gone from strength to strength since those guys jumped on board. I mean, having having the local knowledge that they have 
has just been priceless to us, you know, coming over from the mainland. Um, and just having mm-hmm. eight people, like whenever, whenever you've got a problem, there's someone you're going to call that's, that's faced that problem. All those guys have been in business before. Um, they all, all they know someone who can fix it straight away. So we tend to get things done very, very quick around here because, uh, we tend to know the mm-hmm. people that can, can get those things done. Yeah. I love that. And it's such an interesting model, uh, because I know a lot of breweries, uh, across Australia take on a few investors, um, whether it's through something like equity crowdfunding or whether it's just private investment um, from friends and family or professional investors. And, you know, there are so many different models of funding and different ways to deal with it. Um, so how do you guys do that at Island State? Do you have like regular meetings or do they just trust you to get on with whatever? Or like, how does it all work in terms of that communication between you and the investors? All the investors are very much hands-on. Um, we have, well, communications daily. I mean, we hang out together, but um, we have a formal board meeting every month um, you know, where I'll submit a report, see how things are going. Uh, everyone brings their own strengths to the table and everyone contributes. It's, um, it's just a fantastic model. It really works for us because uh, there's no way we could have done what we, we wanted to do if it was just Tara and I. Yeah. And do you think it helped that you had the experience of Penguin Beer Co. first? And like that proof of concept before you did Island State? Well, they came. They kind of came on board um, during the construction of Penguin Beer Co. Um, because Penguin, we planned on a four-month build in Penguin. It ended up taking 14 months to build. And we were paying <laughs> rent on an empty building for all that time. Oh, God. So um, we kind of ran out of money <laughs> as we were going, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's when the, the, these guys jumped on board. So they were there probably halfway through the Penguin project. Uh, and... Um, at that stage, we were still looking at building a brewery in Penguin, um, but then there was just there was literally no space in Penguin to do it. Um, we just couldn't get it done, and so we started looking a bit further afield. And Tara and I knew of the Devonport space where Island State is now, and we both looked at it and said, "Someone's going to put a craft brewery in there because it was just purpose built. It had all the power you'd need, all the gas you'd need." Everything was set up there, ready for production, um, which is just amazing. And, and it's a council-owned building um, in what was called then called Providor Place. It's now called Market Square Pavilion. Um, so it's made for producers. Um, so we went in there. Um, we've got Dasher and Fisher Gin right next door to us, the distillery. Brilliant. And you know they've been producing there for a, a number of years at that stage. Uh, and we just thought the, the site was perfect for a brewery. So we took that to the guys and um, had a chat about relocating locating our our brewing premises in devonport um it's a bit of a skip away from penguin and there is a bit of rivalry among towns up here on the coast that we've discovered <laughs> um so we decided to to go with a name that was a bit more all-encompassing than than penguin beer co we kept penguin beer co because it is if you've been there claire you know it's, it's just mm-hmm. such a an incredible location um and the town itself just has its own personality we really wanted to keep that alive uh, and we've gone with island state brewing to I guess, represent a broader spectrum of Tasmania and um, and the beers we can make. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such an interesting point you make about Tasmanians. I was there like two weekends ago and um, see, I saw Dave McGill um, at Deep South Brewing. We had a chat. We were laughing about it. My friends had just moved there and I was like, oh, yeah, these are the Tasmanians. He says, oh, how long have you been there? And he, they were like seven months. He's like, you're not a Tasmanian. <laughs> like oh okay is this how we roll in Tasmania then like have you found it difficult being effectively an outsider it's certainly a real thing and that that's why it's so great having it having our team together because um all of our team uh you know pretty much born and bred which is great 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's that's brilliant. And I love that there's like even rivalries between the towns. <laughs> yeah. So not, not only North and South, Clare, it's also yeah. amongst the little towns <laughs> along the way too, which is excellent. Oh, a, a bit of Shelbyville action happening. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Bit bit feisty up there, or down there, should I say, in Tasmania. Um, but I love that. That's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, tell me a little bit about the, the sort of the contrast in your experience um, building Penguin and Beko and building Island State. Was it, I know, I think they're in different um, sort of like council or government areas. And, you know, how did you, how were they perceived by those councils or governments? And um, was one harder than the other? Well, I guess we really struggled uh, initially uh, with Central Coast Council at Penguin. Uh, we probably jumped the gun and probably did a few things a bit prematurely, but we were very eager to get in there. Um, but I guess the council didn't really understand what we were doing. Uh, now that they've seen our vision come to life, they're incredibly supportive. They, they, you know, they love it. And um, they're very now that we've gone to a, a third location in that municipality, um, they're very supportive again, which is, which is great. Uh, when we moved to Devonport for Island State Brewing, uh, it was a council-owned brewing, a uh, council-owned building, I should say, um, and the, the Devonport's in a bit of a regrowth stage at the moment. Uh, they're undertaking what's called the Living City Project, completely redeveloping the waterfront and parts of the CBD, and we were really keen to jump on board with that and and be a part of that. So they were very welcoming. Um, you know, I know. I guess the biggest thing was, you know, we talk about, um, and I hear, you know, on the podcast, the nightmares that people have uh, going through DAs and that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't even see one. You know, the council just took care of it in one day. It was just absolutely amazing. Oh, um, wow. So we're very, very fortunate in that respect. And they've just been great. They're great to work with. Um, they're very, um, I guess, future-minded. Um, so we're, we're really looking forward to, to continuing that relationship with them. And now we've got uh, Central Coast Council um, that we're working with with our second venue. Um, and we've been working very close with them, especially the last couple of days, and they're doing everything they can to, to help us along the way now. So the local councils, they've just, yeah, been great. I probably have to say that because two of them are my landlords too. But uh. <laughs> Yeah, and that. Um, and it, it is really testament to what can get done if a council is or understands the project and understands what you're trying to do with it. Um, and they can see the sort of va- out, like added value that you can give to an area that they are trying, as you say, with Devonport, um, trying to uh, regenerate or trying to sort of improve. And breweries can be a huge part of that. Like the, it, I, I think I'm pretty sure it's the same in Tassie as everywhere else. Um, you know, breweries aren't nightclubs, um, as we mention all the time. They're sort of a community-minded place. And I know um, from what I've seen of Penguin and from what I've seen of Island State, um, very much as and as we say in terms of um, customers, very community-minded, very focused on the community. So, what's your split? Do you obviously you'll have a lot of locals? Um, do you have much in the way of tourists yet? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in Penguin, our you know our tourism through the through the holiday periods, school holiday periods, um, you know, probably goes up to about a 70-30 split. Um, during the um, you know off periods, we're probably probably sit about eighty twenty with tourists and uh, and locals. They're favouring the locals, um, but we love having the tourists come through. It's just great because um, you get to talk to them, recommend local places to them, and 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 everyone loves the space, and they're really keen to talk about it. And uh, we sell heaps of merch, which is fantastic. Oh, love that! Yeah, it helps when you've got penguin all over it. <laughs> we've got um, we've had photos sent to us from. 
people working um, with the emperor penguins in Antarctica wearing a penguin beer co shirt. Uh, we've had <laughs> no requests way. from uh, some backpackers who used to live in penguin and in France. One of his one of his one of the guys surprised his mate with a penguin beer co shirt. Uh, so we, Christmas uh, Christmas evening we got. Uh, Photos of these two French guys in their penguin beer co shirts that they bought. Oh, um, so yeah, we've had we've had photos beautiful. from from all over the place uh, yeah. wearing the, wearing the merchandise, <laughs> which is just it's really really warming to to share those pictures. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it says a lot about the power of merch. Um, I we've talked about it in our sort of marketing bit of Brewery Pro. Um, talking about how merchandise can absolutely be that billboard for a brewery, and apparently taking Penguin Mirko global as well. Yes. Uh, what like I said, we've got about seven in Antarctica <laughs> at the moment that I know of, which is just fantastic. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> Okay, cool. So what about, we were talking sort of uh, like local consumers and things like that. How do you decide what beers to make for your consumer? Are they very much a lager or malt driven type people, like the the sort of um, less challenging styles? Do they like maybe some wild stuff? What's the verdict? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, Penguin Beer Co. started with four recipes that I developed during lockdown and COVID, really. Um, and I just thought four that might be, yeah, might be popular. One that, one that I made just for myself and a couple of others that I thought would be really popular, uh, which was their King Penguin Pale Ale, which is an everyday, you know, easy drinking pale ale. The Emperor Penguin IPA, which I made as, as my baby and mm-hmm. our Chop Brown Ale, our Royal Penguin Chop Brown Ale, which, um, which pretty much based on an English brown um, with some cacao nibs and chocolate malt mixed in, which is really popular. And then we had our little penguin because we wanted to have a mid-strength option. Um, the little penguins evolved a bit through the years, and it's it's, it's actually fantastic tasting now. I really love it. Um, but I guess, and then Island State came along, and we kind of threw the uh, threw the gates wide open. We've got a, an awesome brewing team: uh, Michael Wilson, formerly of Vallow Wines. And Bjorn Warple, who had done a stint at Little Creatures before coming to work in the bar with us a few years ago, started developing uh, recipes as well. So uh, there's three of us that, that work on the recipes, and um, Michael and Bjorn that handle the brewing, and they've been doing a fantastic job. And we've just, um, I think we've brewed up about 18 different styles at the moment. We've just about uh, got our lager in ready to go in cans next month, which we're very excited about. Um, that'll be our third beer to go into cans. Uh, but as far as styles, look, people do love the lager. The lager's been very popular. Um, the King Penguin Pale's been popular. Uh, but the Emperor Penguin is the one that everybody loves. That's what one everyone keeps coming back to. Uh, and when we take to festivals, that's the beer that people keep coming back to drink, our Emperor Penguin IPA. Oh, fascinating. That is an interesting one. You know, I'm, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily have pegged that for a place like Penguin, but I don't know what I would expect really. Um, but very interesting in that, like, obviously now you've got these two brands, you've got the, the original one that's just a venue and then Island State. So how do you, or how are you going to sort of work out what brands go where? Will you set up new brands for, like new beer brands for Island State that are different to Penguin? Like what's the sort of strategy going forward with those two? Well, Penguin, we've always remained with our four core beers. Um, a couple of months ago, we introduced our first seasonal, which was um, the Sour Penguin Raspberry Haze. That's going to remain um, a seasonal. So every three months, we're going to bring out a new sour. Uh, we've just about, in fact, I think 
today. The um, our new blueberry sour. The blueberry sour has gone in the tank yesterday. Oh, today. So that'll be uh, coming out in the next uh, few weeks. So we're looking forward to having um, a different sour coming out under the Sour Penguin, which is a little brand we've created there for Penguin Beer Co. Other than that, we stick to our four cores. We'll do a few different ones for Penguin. Um, but the main focus for the, the different beers and, and all the different things will be on state brewing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me now, we're because uh, I know I've been nagging you about it for ages, tell me a little bit more about your third venue and, and what the plans are for that. So the third venue, the one currently breaking my back at the moment, um, <laughs> It's a really good story because it's where we started. So it's, it's the old um, Buttons Brewing restaurant. They took over a restaurant site um, a few years ago uh, at the urge of the local council and, and Josh took that on. Um, Josh's passion's always been, been brewing and, and making his beer. But the restaurant there's been going well. Uh, the Buttons Brew Pub, they've called it, and it's been going well for the last three years. But Josh was keen to get out and just focus on his brewing. So we got talking and... Um, eventually came to an agreement where where we 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 take the space on um and it's a beautiful space it's right where the um leaving river meets bass strait um views over the dial ranges Uh, you know you've got sailboats bobbing up and down right out the front right on the deck absolutely gorgeous space Uh, and it's where we started i mean my wife and i moved here because buttons brewing was there because that space was there Um, we didn't want to move to a town that didn't have a brewery um and then when we met um, all our investors, that's where we all met there. Um, so it's, it's quite poetic that we're coming back to that space and creating a, um, a new version of Island State Brewing there. Is it going to be a venue? Is it going to have a little brew pub in it? Um, I know some people like to do smaller, like experimental kits in, in their other venues. Like, how is that going to work? Yeah, this, this one will just be the venue. It's called Island State Brewing The Pier. Um, we're going to set it up, uh, I guess it's going to be our take on a a modern European beer hall, if you like, um, you know, with some Bavarian-style food. Um, we've also got a great pizza oven there, so we're keen to use that, as well as have a few traditional pub classics on the menu. Um, so the focus there will be on, you know, on really great quality local beers and, and great food, um, good company and good views. Yeah, I love that. But you've really bitten off a lot here, Scott. Not that I don't think you could do it, but three venues in the space of, what, two years less? 16, 16 and a half months. Oh <laughs> it's, it's, it's just ridiculous when you think about it. But How none of it was it? planned, Claire. None of it was planned. <laughs> it just happened this way. Um, it, it did. It's just, it was, it's all simply opportunity. And um, I've yeah. always been a big believer in um, biting off more than you can chew and keep chewing. Uh, but what we've done here <laughs> is just, done. Yeah, it's really blown all our minds. The Penguin site came about purely by opportunity. We're just driving past. Um, our investor group, Came apart, came about just through opportunity. Sitting at the bar having a beer and um, started talking about it. And then the next thing, we've got a great group of investors. And then Island State popped up because we couldn't find another venue to, to brew out of. So that kind of started from there. And then uh, Josh popped up looking to um, looking to move on to focus on his brewing. And we had a great venue there that we, we just couldn't say no to, really. It was just... Uh, just too good. So no, we, we didn't plan to be doing anything like this. Uh, our initial plan was a five-year plan to open our own brewery, but we've uh, yeah just jumped in with both feet. We lo- I love meeting people. There's nothing better than um, than people tasting your, your your beer for the first time and seeing the reaction on their face, you know, and getting that instant feedback. It's that's priceless mm-hmm. for us. 
Absolutely. And I really like that you've had, I mean, I know it wasn't um, necessarily your career when you moved to Tasmania, but that you had experience in hospitality before. How is it this experience um, and being in hospitality now in a in a post-COVID world, how is it different to, um, and what are the main things that are different to when you were um, like at Bendigo? Oh, look, at Bendigo, I guess for us, it was, we had a very small scale venue there, but it allowed us to make a lot of great contacts, a lot of great friends. Then when we started Penguin, we, we wanted to keep a similar vibe. I mean, people walk into our, our venue um, and they just, I mean, they, they kind of know how to act. I mean, the, the space, the environment really um, dictates the behaviour. You know, so we never have any dickheads. We never have any worries of, you know, people showing up and, and misbehaving. Um, yeah, we, we wanted to set a really, really classy space where families can feel welcome. We've got a lot of you know, females that's come down with their laptop during the week to work um, have a glass of Chardonnay looking over the beach while they're working. Um, mm-hmm. And we love that. Yeah, we love that people feel really safe and comfortable to come in. Probably, you know, about 15, 20% of our clientele come there by themselves knowing they're going to have someone to talk to, which is great. Oh, we love it. That is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. And that's a, that, this is what we're talking about in terms of breweries. You know, they are a place for that community to develop um, if you let them um which is really cool so what else what else have we got going on so we've got the third venue and like one thing that i has obviously been a huge issue uh in recent well in the past year or so is um hospitality staff getting hospitality staff keeping hospitality staff back of and front of house how has tasmania been hit in all of this uh incredibly hard really to be honest there's still no backpackers around, which is a big issue. Uh, there's no one, there's none of those that touring or the working holiday makers still haven't come back. Uh, and, that, and that's a massive issue. We've been very fortunate. Um, we have a, an incredibly low staff turnover. We've got a great staff culture. And that was from day one, um, staff culture was always our, our main focus. Um, I think if you get the staff culture right, then the customer experience, great customer experience follows, you know. So we've held on to a lot of our staff. Um, we're maintaining a lot of the staff that were um, at Buttons. So we've got a, a lot of those guys coming across, which is, which we, which is really good. Um, in the kitchen, it's a bit more difficult. Um, we're very fortunate that in um, COVID, some of our chefs uh, who are uh, some Nepalese blokes that uh, were on a visa and their visa forced them to, to move to Tassie or the NT. Um, when COVID hit and we're very fortunate they chose Tassie um, and now we're bringing another bloke over from Melbourne um, next week uh, so we're just yeah as far as far as finding kitchen staff goes at the moment uh, impossible there just is no one we're just lucky that we've got um, we've got a very loyal team that are, that are sticking with us and um, you know slowly growing with us and we've just got to yeah, keep that going particularly in places uh, like Tasmania, like Queensland. Um, we've seen a lot of people from Sydney and Melbourne move. It's whatever your opinion of that is, it does change the makeup of the place that, in which you live. Um, ha- have you seen a lot of that where you guys are? Have you seen a lot of people like relocating from other places, um, sea change, tree change, all that kind of stuff? And has that impacted um, like your, your customers or, or anything about what you do? Oh, Claire, I think, honestly, once a week we'd have, um, we'd meet some new people that have just moved to the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is just, it's incredible. Um, particularly Sydney, Melbourne, a lot of people moving from those areas, um, a few from WA, 
as well, um, just looking for a different pace of life. Um, and, in, you know, when they come to Penguin, you know, they come to Penguin Beer Co and, and they're keen to meet new people uh, and they quickly make friends with the locals there, which is great. But it's it is a really big thing at the moment. I mean, it's impossible to buy a house over here at the moment. It's just, just crazy. The average time on the market for a house is three days. Um, they get snapped up so quick. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of people moving in, and it's having a huge impact on, on hospitality. But uh, yeah, it's all it's all positive for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are, we love new people coming in. We love giving them um, new experiences and um, sharing our space with them. Like you say, a place like Tasmania has sort of not been sidelined necessarily, but has always been a, like a quiet achiever seemingly in lots of respects. Um, we did our states of brewing report earlier in the year, and Tasmania has one of the highest number of breweries per capita in the whole of australia yeah isn't um, that amazing i think it's yeah. such, such, i think that's such an incredible stat and i i relay yeah. that stat a lot and i've shared your report a lot with oh, um, a lot of government bodies you. and tourism bodies i'm always Excellent. referencing the report that you wrote earlier this year oh, um, fantastic. yeah it's, it's a great document but um it really is i mean the tasmanian brand itself which is on the side of our penguin cans you know we're part of that tasmanian brand that you'll see on you know hawthorne's jumper and football jumper and things like that um their, their slogan is the Tasmania, the quiet pursuit of the extraordinary. And I think that just couldn't be any more accurate. It really is what happens down here. It's it's just we're doing incredible things and very quietly. <laughs> I'm going to shout it to the rest of the world, but uh, it's a long way to go. <laughs> absolutely. And, yeah, and I think that's absolute credit to all of the breweries that have decided to set up and have stuck it out through some really difficult times. Um, not just for Tassie, for the whole of Australia and the whole world, probably. Um, so, like COVID, obviously, and I know we hate to talk about it because now we, we kind of pretend that it's over. Um, but how was everything, how was developing your own venue and your own brewery during COVID? Um, was it a big issue with freight, which I know is already a problem with Tasmania? Um, like, what were the main challenges you faced? Yeah, um, so Tassie had a bit of a delayed reaction to COVID. So we moved here um, around April 1st. Um, and when we got on the boat, we were told that we're likely to be put in a hotel. Um, we got off the boat and we were allowed to go home, but we weren't allowed out of our car until the removals had finished loading in. But we, we had two little kids, so we didn't have to go to hotel quarantine. Um, but we were quarantined in our house for... Uh, two weeks uh, and we had the SES fire brigade police checking up on us every day to make sure oh we were God. safely tucked away uh, mm. and then Tassie had its first COVID outbreak uh, in the northwest hospital up here so we copped another four weeks so we've been living in Tassie <laughs> six weeks before we got to leave the house basically <laughs> oh <my laughs> um, I, had, I had local police permission to visit the supermarket and that that was it wow so we had, a, we had a shocking introduction. But then then it uh, kind of stopped because we didn't have any cases in, of COVID in Tassie for such a long time. So life went on pretty much as normal until December 13 when they opened the borders and, of course, COVID hit. So we had a very delayed reaction to COVID. Um, we, were, we were going along great. We had no tourists, of course, but um, we were ticking along nicely. Uh, and then the borders opened. We had this big flood of tourists uh, and they all came pre-Christmas and... Then of course everyone here got COVID and everyone got sick and it just it just died, you know. After Christmas um, last year, everything just dropped right out. The locals stopped coming out. Um, we weren't getting the, the tourist numbers coming through, and it was just uh, it was a really difficult time because uh, everyone was sick or scared of getting sick, um, and of course we had staff off sick during that those that time, um, and and that took probably a good four or five months I think to 
just for people to to get the courage to to leave the house and come out again you know it was very very quiet compared to our first six months um which was just booming um but then the tourists started coming back a bit more and that helped and i think people oh, people just started accepting that um yeah, it's this new way of life but then of course uh when we started building the brewery as you mentioned freight freight was an incredible issue i mean we, we were we worked with boutique to build our brewery and they were great to work with uh, but we had to freight out of china our um our freight quote tripled within um, you know the six oh, weeks that we had it. God. Uh, yeah, so we ended up having to spend eighty thousand dollars to get um, to get four containers over here, um, and that we just didn't have the budget for that. Uh, oh. Everything, I mean, everything tripled. The cost of everything just tripled. It was just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you got it all in the end. We did. Yeah, we did, and we got it all, and we. Um, Luckily, it fit through the doors eventually. We, we got it all up. Um, and, yeah, a few hairy moments getting those uh, towering stainless steel um, fermentation vessels up when we had no idea what we were doing. Um, you know, just six blokes in a forklift and we'll yeah, muck it around with it. But, um, six blokes in a forklift. Uh, we had a good time. I, I did end up in hospital. Yeah. I did end up in hospital twice during the installation. So. Oh, my God. What did you do? Uh, one time I had some iron filings behind my eyes uh, oh, oh that was just from walking yeah. underneath where someone was drilling being an idiot oh, and the yeah. second time um one of our um workers and um our electrician shut uh, the control lid down on my finger and put uh, some a sheet of stainless steel right through my finger oh god so that was uh, a <laughs> no pain no gain scott is what they say oh what are you paying but <laughs> very little gain for that <laughs> oh my god but all good i can't believe that sounds amazing what a, what an absolute journey now is there anything that you'd wish you'd done differently is there anything you're like i can't believe we did that that cost so much money i would love to warn someone else about that what what what's on the what's on the um i would have should have could have list yeah i guess look with venue number three we've we've learned a lot over the last two mainly just on tripling budgets because that occurs just pretty much every time. Uh, I think it is honestly, you, you put together the best timeline, the best budget, you know, and you, you just throw it out the windows when the reality hits. Uh, as far as what I'd advise other people to do, is, it's, I think it's the most the most valuable thing we've had is those local relationships um, from our investor group. Um, everybody knows somebody who can who can get a job done. Um, you know, with Penguin, I, I came in, I didn't know a soul here. Um, took us 14 months to build because I didn't know any tradies. I didn't. I didn't know anyone. Um, but you know, our team now because they've lived here all their life, they can ring up and they've got. Literally today, we had a builder on site within 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 a couple of minutes. We had the um, hygiene bloke in within half an hour. Um, yeah, those local relationships are, are invaluable. Um, so yeah, get a good local team behind you. I reckon. And I really think it's so fascinating and amazing that your investor team are so involved in the business. Not everybody's lo- as lucky, or sometimes they just don't want that input, uh, which is obviously fine, however you want to run your business. Um, would you ever consider a different um, funding model? Would you ever go uh, equity crowdfunding or like go out to private or anything else like that? Or like this seems to have worked out exceptionally well for Penguin and Island State. So maybe that's a, an obvious no, but just thought I'd throw it out there. Yeah, look, I mean, the equity crowd model, it's, um, I just think it's, it's incredibly problematic. Um, and look, people, a lot of people are doing it and a lot of uh, yeah, friends of mine are doing it. And I think it's, it's fantastic. You don't think you're getting free money. You're not going to throw that away. Um, 
but I just think, is it good for the industry? Probably, probably not down the track. Um, but do people love saying they own a share of a brewery? They do love it. They're going to pay to to say they they've got a share of that brewery. Um, they're not going to get much else out of it. But uh, of, you know, a great feeling of community <laughs> and being part of something. Um, if people think that's worthwhile. That that's awesome. Uh, it's, it's not a model that we would pursue. But I'm, I mean, I never say never. Uh, because you know we do have a very strong local following now, and, and if um, you know if, if something you know in, you know something terrible happened in the future, um, you know it's, it's certainly a model that's uh, that's worth looking at. If people are willing to uh, you know put their hand in their pocket to support you, then um, yeah, you, you just have to go for it. But right now we've um, you know between between our eight families, we've we've been doing um, great, and I just love how how close knit it is. It's just there's just always someone there, you know. It's it's. Being in business by yourself is is very daunting, um, very scary. But you know we, we've got a great team. Uh, everyone's gone through any issue that comes up. You know people have gone through it before. Or we we you know, we're working out together. It's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's so beneficial, especially like to a business like you're running down in Tassie, where being local and being part of that community is really essential. Not only to um, you know cash flows uh which is always nice uh but also to being considered part of that community and and having those um relationships you can leverage sounds very um like commercial but um you know you can work with people in a, in a lot of different ways um doesn't necessarily have to be a money-based thing um like you say you seem to have got a lot of help in terms of knowing tradies and stuff like that which is absolutely essential one thing i wanted to have a quick chat about before i let you go is um we mentioned canning earlier and I didn't quite jump on it and then I thought yeah let's talk about it have you got a canner and do you distribute and what's your strategy for all of the above yeah great questions so we've canning is just so expensive like to, to get a great canning machine which we'd love to do um, but you know take space and take storage we're very fortunate now that um, Paul at Morrison's Brewery where we started a contract brewing from has a mobile canning unit uh, and Paul services um, the Northwest Coast with uh, Andrew at Communion and Josh at Buttons, and now us at Devonport. And you know, Paul and his team are just just fantastic. It's so efficient, um, and the machine's great. It's an alpha machine, and, and we've used it once now for our. We've canned our King Penguin and our Emperor Penguin, and uh, the day just went so smoothly. It just couldn't have been better. Uh, so next. Well, in about three or four weeks' time, we are canning our, the Island State Lager, which we're really looking forward to doing um, 9,000 cans of that and another 4,500 cans of the Emperor. Nice. Oh, that'll be um, As far as distribution goes, Claire, we're, 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 looking, to sell, yeah, we're looking to sell most of our cans uh, in-house. We're, we've distributed to a couple of, couple of the craftier bottle shops around the northwest. Uh, we've had a call for some of the... the the cans to go down to Hobart, but we're we're really holding on tight to them because we can't make too many at a time. Um, obviously, we want that margin that comes with selling your own cans, which is great. Um, but also, you want to get your name out there as well. So there's a bit of a balancing act. So we're, we're, we're at a few select restaurants, a few select bottle shops, um, and a few uh, local Airbnbs that are that are stocking the, the cans in their fridge for their uh, customers, which is great. Um, but really, it's our can distribution is really geared towards um, getting the tourists to come into the venues. Um, you know, as you know, the, the the choice to have three three venues is selling selling your own beer on your own taps is uh, is what it's all about for us. So, as far as distribution goes, we are we're not looking majorly at any distribution into the future. Um, 
we're currently going to see with the third venue how much, uh, if we can make enough beer for the three venues and for a few cans. Uh, but that's about what we're focused on at the moment. Yeah, and I think that's such an interesting point. And, like, there used to be a bit more of a... Uh, uh, direct path and everyone you became a production brewery and then you distributed it and you got into BWS and Downs and then you might go back and do a venue and that has completely changed the diversity of different business models and the different approaches to each of these business models um, has, is just fascinating and it's also a testament to how diverse the industry is um, and hopefully how strong the industry is as well. Um, and I do think it's really interesting that lots of breweries are getting to that point now uh, where they're growing and they do see the relevance and the, and the uh, point of distributing in bottle shops, whether they be independent uh, or the main chains or into other venues. But they have exactly the same considerations as you, you know, actually we don't get that great a margin on it so what's our end game if we're going to distribute like do we have a purpose um to to distribute when actually we could sell in our own venues and have that sort of protected uh you don't you aren't always fighting for space because that's our venue like it's gonna be it's gonna be there so I think that is really fascinating but I'd really be interested to get your take on all of these business models and you know what's gonna work in future are we gonna see more brew pubs do you think are we going to see a return to production breweries um what do you think um about sort of the makeup of the industry uh scott and what i know, I know such a huge question to ask but um i'm just really intrigued to find out what, what you think i do think the industry is is evolving um in in a way um you know i think you know what i guess here in tassie like you mentioned earlier the stat that tassie has more um breweries than uh than any per capita than anywhere else in Australia, and I think here the Tassie pub scene has just been decimated by poker machines. Um, it's very very hard to find a good pub in Tassie. Uh, there's, there's a few, um, and the few good ones don't have any pokies. Uh, so that has really opened the doors for for venues like ours that offer a family friendly space, uh, you know, bright open spaces uh, where everyone's welcome. Uh, and I think that's why. You know, those breweries are done to do so well, whereas, you know, your local pub, if it's now a pokey den, you know, and offering a few meals, uh, isn't such a welcoming space. Uh, so I think that is is where we're able to fill a gap in the market with the venues. Um, as far as the beers go, look, and distribution, you know, things like, you know, EDG and, and those kind of guys, that, that really frightens me, the amount of market um, space that they can just take up automatically with their own brands um, it's not something we're interested in pursuing I mean for a brewery of our size to to look at going to you know Dan's or BWS or something like that, it's, it's purely ego um, you wouldn't make dollar one <laughs> from it yeah uh, there's really really no point other than than having your your label seen on a shelf that that's that's all that's all there is to it um, so I really but I for me I'm, I'm a hospitality fan I, I love um, I love seeing people enjoying your space and enjoying your product um, that's what it's about for me uh, the industry as a whole, look, I do hope it keeps growing. I don't think we're going to see um, the huge booms uh, of, of certain brands that have exploded, you know, like we have the last five years. Uh, I think I think Uber Local is, is where it's at at the moment, and um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, and I think so many people do see that. I know lots of um, Queensland breweries have gone down that multi-venue route, and I really, I think it's a really fascinating take that, you know, breweries can make up for the um 
sort of lack or the lacking in the pub space are you know that's something that I encountered when I first arrived here like in the UK pubs are a little bit more cozy a little bit more local in Australia pubs can can be not uh, obviously not generalizing but they can be big impersonal as you say pokey filled um not necessarily a nice place to hang out or bring your family or your dog or whatever the situation is and breweries are here to like take up and snap up that space so um like i guess we have got room to grow in that respect maybe not necessarily in terms of uh, as we say bringing uh, more beer to bottle shops but definitely in that venue space um could potentially be where we grow and where we live and where the industry really thrives because we've seen so many good venues like that i know there are so many in tasmania or coming up in tasmania now um even having visited very briefly um a couple of times this year um and i I, and i'd be interested as well what do you think of um the tassie brewing scene compared to others um is it really collegiate is it growing does everyone work together it seems pretty like that from the outside but like as a as a total outsider what what do you think yeah, look, I think it's incredibly collegiate. Um, you know, I went to, um, I first came here, you know, knowing absolutely no one and, you know, looking to, to get into the brew scene. Uh, obviously, I met Josh at, at Buttons, which was great. Um, Andrew here at Communion um, and we, you know, three of us started working together uh, on projects. Um, I didn't know anyone, but I've been listening to um, another beer podcast, the Beer Healer podcast, and um, I sent Chris a message oh, yeah. there and uh, went down and met up with him in Hobart, and he introduced me to um, all the Hobart brewers via Instagram, you know, in, in one oh, fell swoop, fantastic. which was fantastic. So I, I made a lot of great oh, contacts yeah. there. Um, oh. And... Yeah, and I was just asking them for tips and things like that as we were as we were moving into production, which was was just awesome. So you come down here and yeah, everyone's everyone's mates in the industry. It's just great. Now, the biggest thing is just how everyone helps each other out, you know. Um, and we're we're all looking to build a scene together, which is great. And can only help everyone, I guess, in a certain way. Um, well, that's really cool. Now, um, just quickly, then, what's your timeline for uh, your third venue, and when can I come visit? You can ask the local council and liquor licensing that question. <laughs> oh, I'm too scared to that do that. Is, that's about what that's about what we're waiting on at the moment. Okay. <laughs> um, we're we're waiting on liquor licensing. Look, we have um, obviously um, obviously Tassie. We've got some shipping delays. Um, we're waiting on some furniture at the moment. Um, we started. Oh, we, we put couches, our lounges in there today. Uh, we've got chairs in today. So. Um, Waiting on some new table legs. Um, we'll stuff that up. We ordered some long <laughs> table legs. But um, so we're yeah. building furniture at the moment and painting and, and doing all the fun things to set it up. Um, and then we've just got to get the chefs in and, and start working the kitchen. So that's that's going to take a little bit of time. But look, we're we're hoping the um, the second week of November will certainly be up and running. Oh, brilliant. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on. I know we've gone a little bit off-piste and a little bit wide-ranging today, but um, I just love your takes on all of this, and I think it's really fascinating. Uh, The Tassie brewing scene in general. Uh, So really good to hear from you guys. Um, And, yeah, thank you again. Thanks for coming on Beer as a Conversation. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Claire. Really appreciate it.